Welcome to Let It Grow Investing. I'm Jeff. Thanks for stopping by. Let's talk stocks, crypto, market news, investing ideas, and strategies. I'm not a financial advisor, and this is only for entertainment purposes. Please make sure to like, follow, and share so that we can all let it grow together. guys welcome back thank you for checking out another episode of let it grow we are on episode 17 already Uh, so thanks for sticking with me and uh, hopefully you're learning a good amount from what we're talking about here Uh, please make sure to like subscribe share and uh, you know as always I've got some links in the description to help get you started on some some different uh, stocks and crypto platforms out there but um Today, I wanted to talk about a couple different things, uh, some some news updates, but also the uh, infrastructure bill that is currently going to the House. And I uh, just wanted to uh, see what's in it, see what we can do with it and how to play it. Um, you know, so I'm looking here on uh, ABC News and uh, there's a bunch of different things that this money is going to be going towards i know we've talked about some of it before but i just want to kind of take a minute to make sure everyone's up to up to speed on what's in it and what it means for us um so i I dove through this 2700 page bill i just finished reading it no i I didn't read it at all actually i'm just looking over some of the highlights here i did not read the full bill but uh the things that it does have is uh you know, funding for roads and bridges, they're going to be spending $110 billion on uh, bridges and major infrastructure products, uh, projects. So we've got to think about companies that are going to be uh, needed for roads and bridges, you know, things like uh, steel and concrete and, uh, you know, the, the equipment that's going to be doing all this work, the paving equipment, the, uh, you know, cranes, things like that, that are going to be needed to do all these projects. Uh, you know, we've talked about new core steel. We've talked about, well, we've, we've talked about cat. We haven't talked about us concrete, but that one comes to mind. Um, you know, we've also got a, uh, a budget here of 49 billion oh no, 39 billion, sorry, money for uh, transit and rail. And a lot of that is going to be zero emissions or EV, uh, transport. So we're looking at uh, different um, trains and buses that are that are going to fit these needs. Um, I'm, I'm not exactly sure what rail companies are going to fit for low emissions or zero emissions. I'm sure they're out there. I'm sure we could do a search and find some stuff and see who's the best in that space. But uh, it would also invest $66 billion into passenger and freight rail uh, the way, you know, people are getting to, to and from, uh, work sometimes or traveling, uh, the, the country, you know, Amtrak, uh, you know, they certainly have a backlog and we could ver- certainly find who makes their parts, who makes their trains and, and see where the best place to play that space is going to be. You know, ultimately that's what we're looking to do. This is going to be a five-year plan that is going to spend, uh, you know, I, I think the, the final amount is still kind of up in the air, but it it has been uh, projected up to three point five trillion. Um, you know, I see this one says one trillion. Uh, 
but we'll, we'll see where it ends up. The vote is this week. So that is all um, kind of up in the air. We'll see, we'll see where we end up and who passes what and what, what the final results are here. Um, but then we're also looking at a broadband upgrade, you know, uh, $65 billion in uh, broadband and 5G. Some of these 5G plays were supposed to play out last year. and We've been kind of holding on to them. So, you know, some of those uh, those names and plays, the, the people who make the 5G chips and uh, different towers, things like that, you could... You could play it a lot of different ways, you know, uh, AMT, American Tower, or, you know, Qualcomm, Broadcom, the, the chip makers, semi uh, makers, I'm sure they're all going to play a part in that. They've all been beat down pretty decent. Um, you know, Qualcomm also beat down pretty good. Uh, I think they were at like a high in the upper 140s, low 150s, and we're in the low 130s now. So I'll, I'll take that. Um like I said, I've, I've been in Qualcomm for a long time. It's been a, a good position for me. It's done pretty well. But right now we're in that pullback, shortage of chips, of availability, shipping. It's all playing into how many chips and uh, supply shortages are out there. So it certainly is something to look at when, when you're looking that this, this trillion dollar plus package is going to get passed. Where can we play it? And that is that's one that comes to mind. Uh, but there's also uh, $17 billion that's going to be going towards uh, upgrading airports, uh, water, waterways, and uh, like ports just in general. So, you know, we can also look at uh, what they're going to be doing uh, to fix these problems. We're, we've got all this congestion uh, at the ports, at the airports, and, you know, just different maintenance problems that need to be addressed also. So they also want to uh, uh, promote uh, electrification of these ports and uh, low carbon technologies. It's kind of the same as the uh, money for transit and rail. They just want to upgrade these systems to make them better uh, and more green. Uh, and then we get into one that we've all kind of been talking about. And I know I had mentioned, you know, 2020 was kind of the year of the EV and a lot of it's fallen off. Um, you know, with uh, some of the SPAC mergers, whether it be uh, Switchback Energy to ChargePoint or uh, CCIV to Lucid Motors or Workhorse not taken off or, or pick one, you know, they've all kind of had an issue. Uh, some of them are starting to roll back up now. Um, ChargePoint's still hurting. Uh, well, I mean, the stock price is hurting. The company's doing really well. And they own about 73% of the North American market, which is great. They're in that number one spot. There is tons of competition in that charging space. But this bill is going to provide $7.5 billion for zero and low emission buses, ferries, and uh, aiming to deliver thousands of electric school buses. And uh, another $7.5 billion is going towards a nationwide network of plug-in electric vehicle chargers. So we've got $15 billion going to the vehicles and the charging stations kind of split up. So, you know, this is definitely a, uh, a big expenditure for the, for the nation. And uh, when 73% of that North American market 
is controlled by charge point. That's certainly one that I want to look at. Um, you know, the uh, like we've talked about before, Volta comes to mind. There, you know, EV Go comes to mind. There's a, a bunch of different ways to play this. Uh, Lucid Motors um, and Tesla, I'm sure they're going to get some kickbacks in the way of uh, tax credits. For those that are purchasing these electric vehicles, I'm sure there's going to be some different incentives for, uh, you know, municipalities or counties or states to purchase uh, electric vehicles for their fleets as well. So that all comes into play. And, uh, you know, just a bunch of different things we need to think about when uh, when we're looking towards what can we do now to set us up for the next five years? Because they're going to be spending this money for five years. So, and, and beyond when it comes to, to that, you know, once I, I think everyone has the, the infrastructure in place with all the chargers and uh, vehicles, and that's just kind of the new normal, it's going to be really hard pressed to see some of these uh, county vehicles and state vehicles go away from that EV platform when they're getting tax credit or when they're getting credit uh, or cheaper vehicles. They already have the chargers in place. It's going to be really hard to get out of that once we're in it. Uh, so I, I definitely think that will aid in the the these companies for five years and beyond because of the fact that it's going to be a system that they're already adapted to. Um, and then they're also have a uh, another twenty one billion going towards uh, abandoned mines uh, to reclaim abandoned mines and cap orphan gas wells. Uh, so I think they're, they're certainly trying to so be on the ESG, the uh, environmental and societal uh, governance. And they want to kind of clean up some of the things that have kind of been left untouched and clean up some different land as well. Uh, I'm not 100% certain as to who would be doing this work, but uh, I'm sure as more things come out, we're going to hear more about... Uh, Who's going to be responsible for doing this, whether it be a, a government organization or if it's going to be uh, a third party that's going to go out and do this work. I'm sure they will probably do a, a bit of both uh, in order to get this done. And I'm not really here to talk about taxes or politics, but, uh, you know, they're, they're talking about how we're going to pay for this. Uh, and we, we've heard that, you know, if you're under four hundred thousand dollars a year in income, uh, that you will you won't see any increase in your taxes. I uh, hate to say it, but someone's going to be paying for this, and I think everyone will be paying for this in some way or another. Um, I I don't see how we're not going to pass that on from when we're taxing companies or the the top eight percent. Um, I I feel like it's gonna it's gonna trickle down when uh, these businesses get hit with higher higher taxes. It's gonna get passed down towards the customers, and even those people that haven't made uh, four hundred thousand or more a year. So, um, you know, there's a lot of different things to take into account there. But uh, I guess we'll see how how the uh, plan breaks down, how much we're gonna be spending on it, and ultimately where this money is gonna go and where it's coming from. But, uh, you know, definitely uh, some, some things to think about. You know, like we said, there's uh, some of the names we're already in, the Charge Points and the Teslas, Cat, uh, Nucor. They're all going to have a big uh, impact to this bill. And hopefully 
this is what we need to see some of these companies start taking off again. And uh, getting back to some of those highs that we had either earlier this year or late last year, you know, there's uh, certainly uh, a big runway and a big budget spend for it. So, um, you know, some of the Chinese news has brought some of these companies down, uh, whether it's Cat or Tesla with some of the problems they had anticipated in China. But uh, I think that's the time we should be buying these, you know, ChargePoint down at 20. Um, you know, they had that great news on the last quarter and they, they went up about three bucks and now they're kind of, it's kind of sizzling out or fizzling out that, uh, you know, this expenditure, this bill should, uh, bring them back up. And I, I think this is kind of a lull for some reason. I don't know if there's a heavy short interest or uh, a bunch of people trading it. I'm not, I'm not sure as to why we're back down at that 20, but we've tested 20 time and time again on ChargePoint, and we're, we're back down there. Uh, I do think this is going to be a, a solid base at 20. I really don't see too much uh, downside from here, and hopefully when we get some more positive news and they, we start uh, doing some more spending on the Chargers, and we, they have to build out this network, you know, 73% of that money, if it does end up going to ChargePoint, if that's where we, uh, uh, the company we choose to, to build out this network, uh, hopefully that, you know, 7.5 million, 73% of that uh, would, would certainly mean a lot of uh, income and revenue for ChargePoint. So hopefully we see some of this, uh, this news come out and it's in our favor. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can propel off of these levels from here. So last week we were looking at uh, Nike, FedEx, Costco. They had earnings come out. Uh, all of them were were pretty rough. Um, you know, we had talked about FedEx a little bit and the fact that it was uh, getting beat up, you know, eight percent when it reported, um, and how many sh labor shortages they had, and how they couldn't get enough people to want to work in different plants. So. Uh, I think it was like 30,000 packages were being rerouted a day. It was, uh, it was pretty bad news out of FedEx. And, uh, um, you know, I don't, I don't know where they're going from here. I, I certainly think they, they tend to uh, kind of under promise on their uh, forecast and hopefully over deliver. But this time it, it looked like it was just worse than anticipated. But, uh, you know, Nike also, it was a, uh, a tough go for them. And they were blaming uh, labor shortages and uh, shutdowns at different plants in Asia as to what was going on over there and how, how much uh, that was impacting their uh, production and how much they could make. And basically, at the end of the day, they decided that they really couldn't do anything with it. Uh, or they couldn't do anything about it. It was kind of out of their hands. So they have been getting pretty well beat up. Um, you know, we were, end of August, we were up near 170-ish, and now we're at 147 on Nike. Uh, I still think it's a little too early to get in this one. I do think long-term, uh, it's a solid pick. I know they've had some political issues and some different problems over the year, but I don't see people really shying away from Nike. Uh, the PE is a little high for me at 39 times. Uh, the, the dividend's kind of still low at 0.74%. Uh, 
I, I would like to see this one bottom out before we, uh, before we do any buying. Because we had a big run up in July we, where we went from 130 to about, uh, you know, 160-ish. And then we, we got into the 170s in August. But, you know, now we're back down to, to 140. So hopefully if we can kind of retrace some of these 130 levels, uh, where we were back in July, if we could get into even the upper 130s and find a base, um, that could be a spot where I would look at it. Right now, I still think it's too early. I think we uh, we ran up a little too high, uh, you know, midsummer, and now we're we're trying to reach retest and and find that level where we can uh, find some support. Uh, and this is one where the analysts say there's 25 percent of upside. And as I've said before, sometimes you see these analyst prices being so high from the uh, from the previous highs. So at 175, some of the analysts get a little bit ahead of themselves and they're putting a, uh, a higher price target on it. You know, they're putting 15 percent on from there. And, uh, you know, like the, the last couple um, price targets here from September 27th to the 24th. And three on the 24th were 185, 176, 170, 185. So these are more in line with where it is now versus when you look at some of the older ones. Let me let me click back a couple pages here and get off of the uh, end of September. Um, yeah, I see in July there's a couple, uh, 213, a 205, and, you know, more towards the beginning of September, we were 192, 200s. So some of these price targets have come down, but we're still having some of the uh, analyst prices or the, the average being brought up by some of these that were done earlier in the summer. So like I said before, make a, make a note as to when these uh, analyst expectations were dated. And don't just go off of the average sometimes as more news has come out that's made... Uh, the, the price target lower and, and don't just look at the average, but look at with what news you have today. So definitely take that into account when you're, when you're trying to get a, uh, your build your own personal valuation as to where it's going. Don't just take the, the news from July, but also factor in the, the latest news and, and where we're at today. Uh, to say that we, we could get to 185. I, I think they will. It's a matter of time. I don't think that it's going to be tomorrow. I, I think we're going to we're going to trend a little bit lower, as uh, you know, Nike has these uh, production shortages, and they're not able to make things in time for the holidays. Whether it's a factory shutdown, materials, shipping problems that they've been facing, or higher shipping costs or higher labor costs, there's there's many different things that are going to be headwinds for Nike at this point. I'm waiting for a little bit lower. There's nothing that is screaming by this right now other than this analyst upside that says you can get 25% back on your money. But like I said before, the PE is high, the dividends low, the outlook is kind of bleak at best. So there's there's nothing telling me, hey, you got to run in and buy Nike right now. And kind of the same thing goes goes for PayPal. Um Granted, they, they're a completely different business. It's one that I've been looking to add to. Um, and while I want more PayPal, I'm, I'm kind of waiting for that, that lower uh, price target. You know, Because right now, 
there's a ton of upside. There's a bunch of good things. The, the payment space has been kind of lagging. Um, you know, but that being said, their, uh, their PE is, is quite high at 66 times. Uh, the price to sales was, uh, I forget what it was. I looked yesterday, but it, it was pretty high. I want to say it was in the teens. Um, so it's not something I'm rushing to buy, even though I do want to build more of a position. Uh, I do hold this one in my, uh, my brokerage account and my IRA. Um, I had some, some money left over in my IRA earlier this year, and I started buying PayPal when it was um, more in the like 230s, two, 220s, 230s. And, you know, we're, we're trending on up. So I would, I would like to see it come down a bit more before I uh, go ahead and purchase. But uh, it is one that I do think long-term, PayPal, Nike, I think they're both going to be fine. I think we're going to see a little bit more growth out of PayPal. But uh, I do think that both will be fine long term. And then when we're looking at FedEx, uh, I mean, I got to go with UPS. UPS has always been a premium operator for me. I've, I've had less problems out of them. Um, their, their numbers, you, you tend to pay a little bit more for UPS versus FedEx uh, on a PE basis. Like we've talked before, I'm, I'm not looking at the stock price when I say that. Uh, you know, FedEx being 226 and uh, a 12 times PE and UPS is where are we at 185 with the 27 times PE. So, but if I broke it down on a, a forward PE, I'm sure they're a lot closer. Um, you know, but UPS is just a, a more of a premium operator. And for that reason, you you tend to pay more on a, on a PE basis, kind of like with the banks that we've talked about, some of the banks you're going to pay more for JP Morgan, you do tend to pay more for, uh, it's a premium operator and you're going to pay for that. And most of the time you, you know that ahead of time, but it tends to trade kind of in a class of its own, if you will. Uh, so these premium names pull a premium price, which makes sense because we are rewarding the the management we're rewarding the business and the model and how they operate and their efficiencies in this uh this multiple that we're the pe multiple that we're putting onto this stock so you know we you just have to take that into account you can't just say oh you know wells fargo is cheaper um you know wells fargo is cheaper but there's there's a reason for that they've they've had problems before they've had you know different scams and or maybe not scams, but fraudulent activity. They've had poor management decisions, uh, you know, different things like that. So you do generally don't pay as much for a name that isn't a, the, the premium top company in the space. So also be sure to take a look at that. So, you know, if, if one has a higher PE, is it justified versus another one that isn't? And, uh, you know, I, I definitely think that some deserve a higher PE and some don't, and it's more of a value play. And so when we're looking at a value play, what does that mean? Uh, oftentimes it means it's a, uh, a cheaper PE, uh, price earnings multiple, or it's get, gotten beat up to a point where the, uh, the stock price doesn't reflect the average of the PE or is getting beat up even strictly in the stock price, um, whether they had bad news or a report or something like that. And it's undervalued compared to where it typically trades. 
So if we can pick something up on a, on a cheap value, on a sale, if you will, sometimes that's a good thing. And, uh, you know, you can either build a, from a, a higher dividend basis or a, just a low price. But oftentimes we, we do better in a, in a growth situation with a stock that tends to just trend up. Uh, you know, where you have a Google or an Amazon that more or less trends up over time. Sure, they have some bad news here or there, but neither have ever really been considered a value uh, compared to other names in the space, you know, where a, uh, you know, maybe a Etsy or something like that may have, maybe not Etsy is a bad example, but there are other names compared to Amazon that will, will trade cheaper, you know, whether it be in the retail space and the names of like a Macy's or something like that, which they're not quite in the same category, but oftentimes those other names are going to be much cheaper than the leader of the pack. Um, speaking of Amazon, they did just get catch a rare downgrade, um, which was, I think it was a Morgan Stanley report. Uh, let me take a look here. It came out yesterday. Yep. Uh, it's still a buy from Morgan Stanley, but they bumped the price down to 4100 I want to say they were 43 to 4500 something like that, um, a couple months ago when they when they had a buy target on it as well. They had uh, lowered that, uh, that target price, and they had come out and said, hey, look, we think the labor cost is going to be going up for Amazon, uh, and that is a cost that they're going to have to uh, take into consideration when they're putting these price targets on how much are they going to make and how much are they going to keep how much of the earnings are they going to be able to keep as profit uh in their accounting so they lowered it it's still a buy um you know it's still where are we at we're at 3350 pre-market on tuesday here so you know we're still um 800 bucks ish 750 um away from this uh, this price target that everyone has for the the next uh, twelve months, and uh, I do think that is a the forty one hundred. I'm I'm still still fine with that as an upside. Uh, you know, Evercore earlier this month was forty seven hundred. UBS at forty two fifty. Um, certainly, I I you know, being that it's one of my largest positions, I. I it can go to the moon whenever it wants to. I'm I'm fine with that, but I, I'm fine with this pause. I'm fine with them figuring out a uh, a sustainable way and have the the labor force that they need to to adequately handle all the stuff that they do. And um, you know, I I'm in it for the long run on this one, and it's it's definitely one that's done well, and I think it could, will continue to do well going forward. You know, they do have all the the cloud plays, the web services. They're not strictly just this retail uh, behemoth. You know, they got many different arms of business, many different ways to go. And I think a, a lot of it, the uh, sure the labor will will play into some sides of it, but uh, other areas, the uh, the labor will be less intensive in uh, some of the the different computing or software type things that they offer. And like the ad space doesn't require as much as uh, you know package delivery things like that. So they do have a lot of different arms that are not going to be as labor intensive or uh, uh, require as many employees. So hopefully we can uh, 
start trending up. Like I've said before, we've been trending sideways in this one for quite some time. Uh, but I do see a, a breakout once uh, supply chain and uh, labor shortages and uh, things come back in order. You know, so we, we've got to certainly take the good with the bad. Uh, it is a rare uh, lower price target from anyone. And, uh, you know, like I said, there's 30 different analysts on this one with an, an average upside of 23% on this, uh, you know, best in breed, large cap, you know, mega cap. You know, there is uh, $1.7 trillion is the, the market cap of Amazon. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now I see it here. Uh, the the price target was cut from forty three hundred to forty one hundred at Morgan Stanley. So, um, yeah, two hundred dollar price cut based on labor, and you know we'll uh, we'll see where we go from here. I I definitely think that is uh, reasonable, and uh, hopefully you know we're we're not just getting too far ahead of ourselves with some of these other price targets, and we we listen to. You know, some of the other news that's coming out and not just be uh, blind to the fact that other things are going on and, and Amazon's not just going to keep on running. Uh, well, there are problems out there. You know, we certainly have have issues and we certainly have things we're trying to get past. So we'll see what happens. But the uh, the last thing I really wanted to touch on here was. Uh, when we're looking at building a position. I really want everyone to know that the conviction you have in a name means means a lot. Um, I've had a couple questions about, uh, you know, how much should I put into this name, or you know, if is this penny stock a good pick? And I just I just want to be in it because so and so said that it's going to run up ten times, or it's going to you know double in a year. And, you know, I mean, that's all well and good, but do your own research, right? Don't, don't trust me. Don't trust the internet. Don't trust just one analyst or anything like that. You know, if it's a penny stock, there's inherently risk. Sometimes the price targets are up 200%. Uh, and it, it seems real easy, but you know, when you take a, you know, $10 million company and, you know, if it were to 10 X, we're at a hundred million dollars. Uh, you know, so think about how easy it is for that company to, for, to go from 10 million to a hundred million and think, is it realistic? Think about what, what they're doing, what their, who their customers are, how they're growing and don't do the YOLO. Um, I want to put 50 bucks in, in these 10 names because I got 500 bucks sitting in my account and I, I want to see, I just want to ride the wave and, and be in these names. Um, my, my point with that is one, I, I want people to have conviction in the names that they're buying into. I want you to know what they do and at least be able to give me or give yourself three reasons why you're buying this name. If you don't have three reasons, you can't, you, you don't know what they do or how they're making money. Uh, you shouldn't be in it. And I understand sometimes you think, you know, the the emotional side of you gets uh, interested in what some of these people will talk about or, you know, some of the reports that come out, some of the names that other people are in. Um, and I, I get that there's a lot of fear missing out out there when it comes to some of these names. But the the real thing for me is 
I, I want you to kind of be able to put your money where your mouth is. If you're going to feel comfortable with the stock, I mean, putting 50 bucks in there or even a hundred dollars in there, it's, it's almost, it's almost a why, which I, I'm never going to be upset if my money doubles in a short amount of time. That's not the thing, but more times than not, it's a gamble on, on these names. You don't know anything about it's, it's a gamble. So do your research and try to have a position size that matches your truthful expectations of these companies. If you truthfully don't know where they're going and it could go to zero tomorrow, it's strictly a gamble. And I understand putting 50 bucks on a gamble and it's, it's not the end of the world. But in, in my opinion, it's better to put $1,000 on something that's going to be something that you can see growing at 15 to 20% over the next three years and why. Um, so these small plays will often distract you from the names you really should be in. And if, if you've got, you know, 50 grand in your main portfolio and you are in your, your main names, you're in your Teslas and your visas and PayPal, or, you know, for me, Johnson and Johnson, Caterpillar, things like that. If you have that money there and you want to speculate with some money, not gamble. If you want to speculate on some names, I'm fine with that, but make sure it's like no more than 5%, 10% of your portfolio. Let your let your big winners win. And if you want to gamble, you know, go to a casino for one and and have fun, you know, don't don't make it a habit, but have fun on occasion. If you want to speculate, do some research on these names and come up with a plan as to where these companies are going to go. Um also my point is when you say you, you double your hundred bucks, it's kind of a, okay, well now what do I do with it? You know, cause nine times out of 10, these, these penny stocks or whatever are going to go lower. So that one time you do get a double, is it going to be enough or a double or triple? Is it going to be enough to do anything with? Is it going to be a case where you're going to sell it if it does double, you know, so you've, you've really got to make that clear as to what you're going to do with these names and then, and then follow the plan as to how you laid it out before you got into the name. Um, you know, for me, we've talked about ABML. Uh, that is, it's a, it's a speculative name in my position. You know, I know that I want to see them do well. I know they're close to the Tesla factory and they're, you know, recycling and uh, refining lithium as the batteries are being destroyed. They're going to refresh them and, you know, kind of, kind of be a provider to all these different companies. I know that, you know, they're, they're building their facility out there and, you know, they're, they haven't made any money yet, but they're, uh, you know, they're on the path to doing something that I believe in. I believe, like I said, with these EV plans for the infrastructure bill, that this is something that I, I believe will do better in five years. You know, if it doubles, I'm going to sell probably 30 to 50% of my position. I will keep the rest as, uh, you know, basically found money and I'll let it ride and see where it goes in a few years. I will take some of the money out and I'll be able to invest that in something else. It is a speculative name for me. It still is a sizable uh, position. You know, it's uh, about a fourth of what my main positions are. Uh, so it's 25% of what my uh, Tesla or Amazon position is. 
So in that standpoint, I, I have the, the size matching to my risk tolerance on this name. It's not a core position. It's kind of play money in, in, in this name that I do have faith in. I do have some research in. So just make sure when you're, you're not going YOLO on, uh, you know, some of these moon names or, uh, meme stocks or just some random thing that, uh, someone was talking about whether it's on uh, on the radio on uh internet on a podcast on you know anywhere just just do your research that's pretty much what i got so uh thank you for listening please make sure likes like subscribe and share um you know i, I appreciate you for for being here if you do want to support the channel there is a link on the anchor.fm slash let it grow i uh, do appreciate any support and, uh, you know, please make sure to check out those links from Binance, Crypto.com, Webull, and uh, E-Trade to get your uh, investing started on some of those different platforms. But take care. That's what I got for you today. Have a good one. As always, thanks for stopping by. Please make sure to like, subscribe by turning on the notification bell and sharing this podcast to help our community grow. Check the links in the description for offers on E-Trade, Binance, and Crypto.com to get your investing journey started. You can also help support the podcast on our Anchor.fm webpage. Until next time, let's get invested and let it grow.